Welcome to the Radio Bold News Pod. I'm Mike Sakel with timely conversations for Sullivan and the Catskills and beyond. And right now, we are speaking with uh, Marty Colavito from the Equity and Justice, uh, uh, a subset of, uh, of SALT, and Chief Stephen Degata of the Liberty Police Department. Today, we're talking police reform and uh, also the efforts that are going on here in our community to, to make law enforcement and community connect. This began just as a little bit of background. of uh, There was an official New York State Police Reform and Reinvention Collaborative effort. This came about with former Governor Andrew Cuomo. This began in, in June of uh, 2020. Of course, during that time, it was a rather tumultuous time where there were a lot of uh, protests going on and uh, issues involving uh, police and, and the citizens in, in various communities around the state. And uh, so the former governor had put this plan into place that was essentially a comprehensive review of police force deployment strategies, policies, procedures, practices, and and so forth. All the law enforcement agencies in New York State and certainly within Sullivan County have, have filed their specific uh, certifications that they had to file uh, with the state. But beyond that, Marty Colavito recently came to me and said, you know, speaking from Salt's point of view, from uh, equity and justice and the, the various projects you're working on the community, he said, Chief Stephen Degada and the Liberty Police Department have really gone above and beyond that, above and beyond in, in creating the environment, working with the community. So, Marty, maybe you can start and give us a little bit of background on, on what's going on, and then we'll get into some of the specifics with, uh, with Chief Degada. So the relationship between myself, Chief Degada, SALT, the community, I, I'd rather just say the community, and, and the Liberty Police Department took a, a really good turn for the better when Chief Degada was brought into his position or accepted his position. And I think this has evolved from the whole police reform document that was a mandate. It evolved into a collaboration, a true community collaboration between our local police department, the Liberty Police Department and the community. A dialogue has evolved relationships have been kind of branded and i think that that to harken back to police reform almost takes a step backwards because of this huge step forward that that we as a community and the liberty police department have taken as far as a relationship is concerned now how did this come about now chief degada well, you, you've been in your position now uh, a little over a year is that correct just under since April of last year. Since April of last year. Okay, so just under a year. What were what were some of the things that you were looking at coming into your position as chief? What are some of the things that that you saw? Uh, and, and who really opened up the conversation first? Did it come from from within the community? Did you reach out? Uh, tell me a little bit about the logistics of this. Sure. So I, w- I was very fortunate under the prior chief Scott Kenny to uh, kind of head the department's 203 reform plan, which, uh, as Marty aptly points out, it is almost a step back, I think, to structure the entire conversation around that. But it it is useful because it was our starting point. It was what started the conversations and the relationships that have blossomed from that. Um, So the 203 reform plan came out, and everyone was told that we had to do this. So Mm -hmm. we uh, 
we reached out uh, to the community to see who wanted to be involved in the conversation. And we got a lot of responses back. We got a lot of people who had some very intelligent, informed things to say based on their experience, um, which were all unique with law enforcement. Um, throughout the in-person and Zoom uh, collaborative meetings that we had, we, we came up with a few major areas that we felt uh, law enforcement in general and the Liberty Police Department specifically could improve upon. But the best thing that came out of it, honestly, is is the ongoing, the fact that it wasn't a all in, okay, let's make five changes to the police department and that's it. Hmm. We, 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 kind of, we, we kind of all agreed that society and the criminal justice system is changing at such a rapid pace that it's so important to stay connected, keep the conversation evolving, keep the conversation going, mm -hmm. and make sure that we are treating each other, Marty puts it best all the time, we're treating each other like neighbors, because that's what we are. Um, yeah, well, so it's, it's, it's interesting because the, uh, the Executive Order 203, as you mentioned, um, that was really all supposed to be filed by April 1st of last year. So it was literally just as you were coming aboard. Uh, even yeah. though you were involved in the process in the in the department prior, so I guess uh, you know the the thing that I'm asking about or looking at is you know what what made you move forward and what were what were some of those suggestions? What were some of those things that came to you and and made you think well these are these are the conversations that we should continue from here on because obviously you could have just filed the paper you know done all your due diligence having filed with the state and and be done with it and you know in yep. in some cases in some cases some people have uh have alluded to that with other departments and i'm not speaking specifically in sullivan county but you know throughout the law enforcement community but you went you went beyond that so what 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 were some of those conversations and what what really got you started on what became an, an ongoing project so in the collaborative meetings it, there, there was a, a lot of positive feedback, a lot of great things that people had to say that the Liberty Police Department was doing great. There, there were some things that they said that could improve. And honestly, when, you know, in uh, around June, July of 2020, I'd go home every night and, and watch the news and it'd be a, a protest in another city. And it, it became apparent that large portions of the community in general, not just in Liberty, but everywhere, had lost trust in the criminal justice system. And I felt that we can't operate uh, as law enforcement without the trust of the people. Um, one of the first things they, they go over in the academy is Robert Peel, you know, the founder of Modern Policing. He said that the police are the people and the people are the police. And I, I, I hold that concept very near and dear to my uh, leadership style. And I think it's something that when I became chief, I figured I would take the ball and run with, with the 203 plan. So some of the major components that we, we, we wanted to really work on, um, the first one was diversity within our workforce. So I feel that it, part of gaining that trust is having the police department reflect the community that it polices. Now, that being said, there were some pretty significant barriers in the way to uh, diversifying the police force as quickly as one would like. Uh, police employees are generally uh, hired and fired under civil service law. Uh, the civil service system is an antiquated system based on a rigid test and uh, some rules, the rule of three, you have to 
pick one of the three top candidates, regardless of any and all hiring characteristics, except for the numerical score that they scored on the test. So we've instituted a couple of things. I've lowered, or not lowered, but I've uh, adapted some of the uh, standards uh, for employment. We've previously had a pretty strict tattoo policy. Um, in speaking with members of the community, people that I see every day when I walk the street, uh, other officers, um, we, we decided that we could relax that tattoo policy. It was a little, it was a little overbearing, and it was restricting our pool of applicants even smaller. Um, we hired a female officer shortly after I became chief. It's the first female officer the department's had in almost 15, 20 years. And uh, she had tattoos that are visible and would have otherwise precluded her from being hired prior to that change. So small little changes like that that open up the pool. On a larger scale, through our school resource officer program, Officer Lake is going to be, uh, he's working with the Liberty Central School District on a vocational internship program to try and reach more underrepresented groups and get them involved, excited about law enforcement, to try and get as many different people with different experiences, backgrounds, and cultures into the civil service system, giving us a, a wider pool of applicants to choose from. So that, that's, that's one of the biggest things that we've been working on. So are you, are you satisfied right now with the makeup of, of the Liberty Police Department? I mean, do you feel that uh, that you have the diversity and, and that, uh, well, obviously you feel you're making moves forward towards that, but um, currently, do you feel that the, the Liberty Police Department is, is well represented of the community? I think that we were moving in the right direction. One thing that we, we, we are lacking in, in my hiring and recruiting efforts, I'm looking for all the time, is we have a large Hispanic, Spanish-speaking population in the Village of Liberty, and I currently don't have any Spanish-speaking officers. Um, I downloaded an app where I'm trying to learn myself, but it's not, it's not going very well. But uh, I, I would like to, and I'm going to continue uh, the recruitment efforts to try and attract individuals who not only will be able to speak the language of a lot of the people of their first language, but also uh, have some of the cultural similarities so they can identify with them and ultimately trust them. We also hear a lot about, and maybe this is veering a little off topic, but we hear a lot about uh, you know, the, the difficulty in keeping officers these days, especially within, within Sullivan County. Um, you know, we're in an area where officers can maybe move on to other areas or moving up to state police or, or other entities where, you know, the pay scale is much higher. Uh, how has that affected your department? So that's been a, that's been a challenge for the uh, Liberty Police Department for as long as I've worked here. Um, fiscal realities are what they are. Um, we don't want to overburden the taxpayer who already is, is, is burdened. So the, the officer's compensation is not as high as it is in other areas. That being said, um, I think by providing a professional environment, the officers respond to that. Um, there's more than money, basically, is, is, is what I, I like to think most of the time. Right. They have recently renegotiated a uh, PBA contract that I think is starting to put us in some of the same ballpark as some of the other municipalities in Sullivan County. Um, retention is a difficult problem right now in the law enforcement community anywhere you go, though. In addition to losing cops to other agencies, we're seeing for one of the first times that I can ever remember a lot of law enforcement officers leaving the profession. 
um, before they reach their retirement age. And mm -hmm. they're just saying that uh, it's, it's not for them anymore and they're hanging up their hat and they're going into the private sector. So that, that's another challenge that we face. That's interesting that you say that because uh, it, it is a challenge. And uh, I wonder um, how many officers at, at this point, and it's certainly related to the whole police reform and, and community relations issue, how many how many officers are, feel that, you know, they've basically had enough or don't feel comfortable in an environment. So, I mean, is, is that a big part? Is, and, and how do you deal with that within your department? Uh, that yeah, is so, relating to your relating to your officers and keeping an environment that's both professional but also tied in with the community. The key, the key that I think is, and I, I hope I'm right, but I try and impress upon each and every one of them. And I'm lucky that we're a small enough department that I get to see every single one of my officers every day that they work. I try and impress upon them that, regardless of what they see on the news on whatever channel they watch, what they do matters. It matters. It may have just been a Tuesday afternoon shift for them, but the call that they went on, the kid that they talked to, the motorist that they helped out, that may be one of the few interactions they have with law enforcement in their entire life. That interaction matters. And I, I try to impress upon them in word and in, and in action um, to let them know that it, it's, it's not for naught, it's what they do matters. Yeah, yeah, just creating that motivation. So I'm going to throw this question, and, and actually, this this question can go to. Oh, I'm can sorry, I just say Marty. One thing, Mike, real quick. Yeah, sure. Can I say one thing? Absolutely. Just to kind of add to what the chief just said, and, and your question to the chief, I think there is no such thing as an optimum system without reevaluations. There is no such thing. Okay, and I think a lot of times we all become comfortable as a culture with certain things. And, and those evaluations kind of slip a little. And I think as a result of the past couple of years, it kind of encouraged folks to reevaluate what's going on, law enforcement, communities, and on and on and on. Mm -hmm. And I think part of what's being, part of what's missed is how important it is and I'm, I'm not trying, I, I, I'm, I know it sounds like I'm canonizing Chief God, but how important it is to start this evaluation process and listen, all right? And that people who, on both sides of the aisle, that have, that have been involved with systems that no longer function properly, you know, choose to work within a different system, which is good if, for them. But it just means that, you know, what's happened in Liberty is, is that, the police department has embraced, you know, this evaluation and is moving forward with it rather than do the things that we're all really comfortable doing when there's, whenever there's change. You know, we kind of fight it a little bit. Mm -hmm. And it, what's refreshing is, is that you don't see that fight. Well, and, you know, and I, I'd like to pick up on that because my, my follow up question was simply going to be getting a little more into the nuts and bolts of this and, and the communication between the community and Liberty Police Department. And this is kind of a question for, for both or either of you. I, I wanted to talk a little bit about the some of the specific entities. And even going back to the original assessment, the, the 230 assessment, the plan that was that had to be put into place, there were community meetings, as the chief had mentioned. There were there were a lot of different groups that made some 
some interesting suggestions along the way. Can can we speak a little bit about, you know, kind of dig a little bit deeper into some of the things that were said, some of the groups that were and perhaps still are involved in this process? I I mean, I can speak to that. So my say, myself and Dana Halpern were virtually involved. I think we only missed two Liberty meetings, but we were involved with every single meeting at every single department during the police reform process, mm-hmm. right? And our whole, you know, paradigm, our, all, our whole outlook was that this nothing was going to be done without a collaboration. Nothing was going to be done without a dialogue, okay? And nothing was going to be done without, you know, this conversation that says, hey, you, you, know, you know, you tell me what you think, you know, I'll tell you what I think type of thing. And so through the process with Liberty and I was involved with the other police departments as well, the, one of the things that happened that, again, you can't minimize is a year later, we're still meeting every month as a community. That's you know, good. We're still That's meeting, good. you know, and yes. as a result of those meetings and listening to the chief and law enforcement, we started a mental health meeting with the county that meets every month, usually or every other month. That started with the conversation of what we're doing with, you know, settlement dollars and this and that, and with doing diligence for mobile mental health in Sullivan County, which which then started an advocacy group that's meeting next Thursday, with with representatives of Gunther and Martucci, to kind of you know advocate for police departments in Sullivan County in regard to the police officers responding to mental health crisis when, you know, they're, they're not mental health professionals. You know, I'm not a mental health professional. I'm a human being. I'm charged with being compassionate, compassionate. You know, the police department's charged with the same thing, but we're not mental health professionals. So what are we going to do to fill gaps? None of these dialogues would have happened if we didn't start these meetings. You know, if, 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 the chief, you know, again, didn't, you know, embrace, you, yeah. you know, an evaluation process. And and it's interesting that you talk specifically about mental health because some some of the suggestions that have come out of police reform and, uh, again, in the law enforcement community, I'm not specifically talking about Liberty Police Department, but uh, is, is, in fact, having mental health professionals available and even in the within the county you know it, it's been talked about having the because the bottom line is and and maybe chief Dugana, you can you can speak to this um the the police law enforcement that, that really isn't their specialty you know that that it, it's kind of expected of you but it's not really a part of your initial training your basic training as it were to be a police officer uh, unless you feel, I mean, do you feel that is evolving? It, how, what are your, your feelings about that? The, the so, various jobs that, that, you know, police yeah. are, are basically asked to do in the, in these situations that they deal with. So it's, it's always been a profession of many hats. Um, we're first and foremost, first responders, especially with the way that the, uh, police fire and EMS systems are set up in Sullivan County. We're very typically the first person, if you call for help, when you call 911, it's going to be a law enforcement officer. So that being said, law enforcement in Sullivan County has, has really stepped up to the plate and increased the amount of uh, mental health response training that everyone is receiving. That being said, no matter the amount of in-service training that the law enforcement community receives, 
we're not we're just not the right tool for that job we can provide what i like to think of as mental health first aid to perhaps stabilize a situation but what that person really needs they, they don't need to be arrested they don't need to be involved in a use of force situation what they need is they need medical mental health help um so we can help stabilize a situation but we're certainly not the best tool in the tool bag to deal with that issue right well and and i think people are coming to terms with that too because that also ties in with the hope not handcuffs program which i know liberty police department is is one of the agencies where someone who feels they they want to get help for some substance use disorder uh, that they may be dealing with, uh, they can walk into the police department and ask for that help. And there are other individuals and volunteers that come mm-hmm. and, and do that work. It's it's not necessarily yeah. the work of the police officer, but it, it yeah, is, I, uh, it, yeah. I'm incredibly happy with the partnership and the relationship with the Hope Not Handcuffs, uh, Hope Not Handcuffs uh, team that we work with. It's an amazing program prior to us becoming involved with them, I personally, uh, before I was chief, I was a detective and I encountered hundreds of individuals that were suffering from a substance abuse disorder. And there were times when sometimes they would look at me and say, okay, I want help. Can you help me get help? And that was never, that was never anything they taught us in the police academy, but I figured I was, you know, reasonably intelligent and had a telephone. I could probably try and make some phone calls and figure this out. And I never could. It never worked out. There was always an obstacle. There was always a barrier, bed availability, insurance, transportation, whatever it was. Right. It just wouldn't happen. And it was it was heartbreaking in a lot of those instances because most of the time they're not ready for help. But the times they were, I wasn't even able to help. So when Hope Not Handcuffs um, got established here in Sullivan County, I've seen it firsthand work. It's an amazing program, um, and I, I think we're going to continue to see really great success with that program. Well, it's very it, it promising. Does beg, it does beg another point, too, and to, to, to tag on to the mental health part. If, if police officers are put in a position to have to do more with less, especially with mental health, one of the things we're going to start doing in, as early as tomorrow, meeting with um, is start a conversation with the mental health professionals in the county. Because if we're expecting others to do more with less, then we should all do more with less to fill in the gaps, to support, you know, to be more of a, a synergistic system countywide as opposed to, oh, this happened and second guessing a situation rather than try and start a conversation as mental health professionals to say, what can we do to be a huge part of the solution? until funding comes in or whatever. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I, I was just listening and, and, and thinking, but I, I think uh, that's true. That's absolutely true. And I think, uh, you know, the county has definitely been making an effort to expand upon that and, and also be more accepting of it. And I think there's been an evolution overall with the certainly mental health and substance use disorder uh, as being accepted as something that, really isn't stigmatized but is something that 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 there is help out there that there are uh, organizations there's there's public health there's groups that are trying to really make a difference in the community including the law enforcement community so um 
Let's talk a little bit more about some of the other uh, entities that that might have been involved, starting with the, you know, the original police reform plan and, and the current conversation. And of course, uh, I'd be amiss not bringing up, you know, uh, law enforcement's uh, involvement with the community, with the immigrant community, with community of color. We mentioned the Hispanic community earlier, Chief Degada. Um, what are what are some of the groups and, and what are some of the things that are happening within the department to uh, to open up that line of communication or keep it open, I should say, and uh, and have better uh, understanding between the community and law enforcement? I got to jump in real quick, and I don't mean to cut you off, Chief, but one of the things that that I felt great about is last year in August we had a, a unity event where it was a cultural day. And the Liberty Police Department came in plain clothes. We're playing soccer with the kids, and, and you know, and we're there the whole day. Yeah, yeah. You know, that was the, the one up day. at Walnut Mountain Park, right? Uh, yes. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. and so I'm going to talk as a community member. Then I'll let the chief talk because I want to talk about the things that that make me feel good. So that's one thing. Another thing was and is that y- y- you know the the department since Chief Degada has been the chief has never been defensive about a complaint. Listen, if we don't get any complaints, we're doing something wrong, right? You know, so what we're trying to do is, is work off complaints to become better. And, and and working with Chief Degada, there's been no, zero hesitation to address complaints. And he's even asked us to help navigate people if they do have a complaint, all right? That, that's another thing I feel really good about. You know, the, the chief instituted a litter pluck. You, you know, at the beginning where we went out, and, you know, I was honored to go out with these guys and do this. You, there's been a gender sensitivity training that the chief had a person come in and facilitate. Never happened in Sullivan County before, you know. Stuff like that, you know, are, is, is, is connective. It's a connective kind of tissue between, you know, neighbors, between the police department and the community, mm-hmm. you know. So... So my perspective, you know, and I'm going to kind of brag upon a little bit, is that everything and anything that's enhancing this communication has been met with, let's do it, you know. So, um, you know, implicit bias trainings, you know. No, that's great to hear. And uh, yeah. I mean, I think the really, really important part, and you, you kind of hit the nail on the head there, Marty, is is having the police department in the community and and outside their uh, you know their initial job of being out there and policing uh, and that's a, that's a big part of going out and you know if you're if you're out at a litter pluck and uh, and the person next to you is a police officer that's a good thing you know that's a that's a connection that's a connection you're making with the community especially if you don't know it especially if that person's in plain clothes and you're having to talk you're talking about the yankees or the mets or something and i say what do you do for a living oh i'm a police officer it's a whole different dynamic you know i'm a mechanic you know and then that you know now you're talking like neighbors well chief yes talk to me a little bit specifically about some of those things uh as well you know that marty brings up because there's there's a lot there. There's a lot to unpack there, and I'm sure you've had a yeah. lot of conversations in the community. Uh, so the, the, the key is, uh, or I, I think the key is, is we've tried to do a lot of those things that Marty's talking about, but they all come together to foster a culture within the department of feeling, um, and I have to steal the Chief Kinney, the, the, the 
previous chief came up with this term that we have a commitment to the community, that we are the community, that we are neighbors. So I've realized, I've done my whole career with Liberty Police Department, and I've learned that, I also live in the Village of Liberty, I've learned that if you can create a connection, like Marty said, with someone from a non-law enforcement interaction, in other words, picking litter or having a cup of coffee or walking down Main Street and having a chat, if you can create that connection and get to learn someone and know them by their face and their first name, when you may have to have an interaction with a law enforcement officer that is less than desirable, there's already a base level of trust, understanding, they, they see you as a person, so you're connecting with them as a human to a human, and it makes all of the law enforcement roles and responsibilities that we have, uh, we, we gain more trust from the public. So some of the things that he mentioned, I uh, part of the police reform was we, we created a, a new position within the police department, a community liaison officer, and I, I tasked the, uh, my school resource officer, Sergeant Joe Papo, he's a school resource officer at the elementary school, with that duty. He's come up with a calendar of community events where officers are going to be interacting with members of the community in casual, fun, low-stress settings to build those relationships. Marty mentioned the litter pluck. That was uh, a success. We had uh, a bunch of Boy Scouts and Cub Scouts come out. And like I said, anytime that we can interact with the kids, because that may be fostering a relationship from with an individual and the concept of law enforcement for the rest of their lives because they hung out with a cool cop that picked up litter with them for a half a day and i think that's huge we've uh we had a uh car safety seat inspection um we're actually scheduling right now it was supposed to be in january but we're probably going to push it because of some the COVID issues we're going to shoot for mid-february we're going to do a coffee with a cop um as many of those interactions that we can foster as possible, I think are, are, are going to be positive things on the training side. Like Marty mentioned, we've been trying to, uh, some of the big trainings, the procedural justice, implicit bias, uh, and the transgender sensitivity training have all been huge. They've been incredibly well received by all the officers in the department. And I think all of it together is really just creating a culture within the department, uh, that, that we're here, we are the community and we're here for the community. Well, that's great, and a lot of moving parts there. And yep. uh, well, gentlemen, I, I have to tell you, we're we're wrapping up our half hour here, so um, you know, I'm, I'm sure we could go on and and dig even deeper into a lot of those. But it sounds like a lot of uh, positivity. Uh, Marty, Marty is always the positive guy. Um, <laughs> not to take away from you, Chief Tagata, but uh, it, it it sounds like a, a lot happening, a lot in a positive direction. I think it's interesting, Chief, that you were that you're essentially from this community, you yep. and for really your your whole life, your whole career. So yep. you, you've obviously seen a lot of changes along the way, and uh, things hopefully are are moving in a in a positive direction. I truly, I truly feel they are. I feel like. There is a strong grassroots community feeling of trying to push liberty in the right direction. And it's quite frankly, it feels like it's all hands on deck when I'm talking with people like Marty and uh, I want to continue to see it going in that direction. Well, Chief Stephen Nagata, Liberty Police Department, Marty Colavito, uh, the Committee for Equity and Justice and SALT and, uh, and Human. <laughs> 
<laughs> that, you always like to be referred to as a human, which is a good thing. You know, I like, I like to think of Marty as a human. Uh, so th- thank you both for spending this time uh, with us for the Radio Bold News Pod and uh, some, some very interesting things. And, and great to hear some positive things about community, about the law enforcement community, and just the workings of, uh, of uh, Liberty and the Liberty Police Department. So thank you. Thank you both. Thanks for having us, Mike. Have a good day. Thanks for listening to the Radio Bold News Pod. This is Mike Sakel. I'll be back soon with more conversations that you can find on Anchor, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. And always at RadioBold.com. <laughs>